You looking good? How long gone? I'm looking good. Jason's looking good. Bitch, I look good. Back in overcast Los Angeles. Before we get into it, uh, we will be holding all uh, Met Gala content for uh, uh, our our Friday episode because we're having an expert from uh, Vogue join us to discuss all the festivities. So don't don't tweet at us tomorrow. I mean, why don't you talk about Jeremy Strong wearing Homer? We'll talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, Chris just said, please believe. I'm aware that the guy from Succession <laughs> wore Homer. He's on notice. He's been greenlit. I've been put on notice. Speaking of greenlit, uh, I I realized that you know as a known union buster. This time uh, in Hollywood, I'm changing my tune, um, and I am standing with the writers, the WGA, um, because I think that the reality of um, AI-generated chat GPT scripts is the only thing that could actually be worse than television as it stands now. Um, so let's get these guys back to work. Okay, so you're not, you're not, I guess, reverse crossing the picket line. What would, what would you call this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just standing. I'm. I'm just going to be on the right side of history for once. For once, okay. Well, and this has nothing to do with the fact that our guest today is a writer. Just want to clear that no, up. No, no, no. Absolutely. Just a no, happy no, coincidence. Nothing. I don't want you to be a flip flopper. No, I'm. Ne- I would never flip flop. I mean, I this this news broke last night. The strike started at 12:01 a.m. Um, you could hear an audible gasp through the streets of West Hollywood as uh, Mm -hmm. many uh, writers with roommates wondered where they were going to get their sour gummy worms uh, for (laughs) for the foreseeable future. Yeah, those those Schitt's Creek season three checks are starting to get into the double digits now. Uh, so that you know all the guys writing the jokes for the cartoons they got worried they didn't know if they could afford their celsius anymore for the late night <laughs> sessions and i understand it's a it's the whole you know all these these fat cats these big wigs at the top of all these giant streaming services they're taking home millions bernie's tweeting about it and these writers the creators are left with nothing yeah and the rules are not meant to be rewritten Pardon the pun. No, and unfortunately, unfortunately, all TV shows are bad. So I don't know what these guys are getting paid for at all. But I, I do think that the only fate worse is uh, some bozo executives, uh, you know, thinking that they can do better uh, with with AI. There, there's nothing that, that could be worse for for entertainment's future than a- AI writing. Yeah, I mean that's that is, that's the interesting question because before. The question wasn't, can we do better without writers? It was, mm-hmm. can we still make money without writers? Yes. And the answer was, yes. with thanks to reality television, we can make way more. So I, I think this is the first time where it is starting to be scary where it's like, could it be better than humans? You know, like we're not, we're obviously not there now, but we're knocking on the door. I was thinking this could be good for you trying to break into the writer's room because they're going to need some non-union humans in there to kind of punch up the computer work. Yeah, that's that's called human augmentation. And uh, here's yeah, my card. I'm available. I will work weekends as yeah. well. My day rate's not cheap, but yeah, it, you know, you get what you pay for. He's a, he's a real human, though. A real Jason mm-hmm. is a real boy. Go ahead. Kick me in the nards. I'll scream like a bitch. <laughs> not like these fucking I'll, think pads over here. <laughs> you, <laughs> these guys aren't going to scream at all if you kick them in the nards. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to talk about um, something that happened to me on Sunday night that I know you've been waiting with bated breath for. Well, before that, I just wanted to send a, I mean, a, a sincere apology to all the writers. We hope the, for the best. And uh, to anybody who's at these streaming networks, non-streaming networks, movie mm-hmm. houses, whatever, production studios, big wigs, <laughs> people that call the shots, uh-huh. the they-thems of the world who are in charge of the game. 
How Long Gone makes three hours of content per week, and we haven't written a single word of it. <laughs> That's right. We're available. Yeah, Gone at howlonggone.com is open, uh, Yeah, please. and we're ready to start getting to work. We can put you directly in touch with CAA. Uh, they can kind of negotiate the terms. But we're, we are available for hire, mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately, we don't, we don't even need insurance from you. We'll just do it for cash. So it's a yeah. pretty it's a pretty good deal. I'm still a little iffy on just the act of writing itself. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just in terms of comprehension levels. Yeah, yeah. It's not. We can go off the dome, but if you ask us to write it down, it might be easier for us just to record the Zoom and kind of send it over to you guys to clean up the transcript. That Is would that, be great. That's still considered writing, I think. Mm-hmm. Sorry, continue. Yes. Yeah, so, no, no. Sunday night, um, I went to... Um, I guess it's what is it? Is it Eagle Rock or is it Highland Park? Which bad neighborhood is it, Jason? That was kind of on the cusp of Glassell Park and Eagle Rock, kind okay, of. Okay, so I, I it was a great group of people who will go unnamed. Chris was really fish out of water in this very specific neighborhood. Yeah, it, I, it was. A, I was invited with a great group of people who will go unnamed to break <laughs> bread at a at a um, restaurant called Dunsmore mm-hmm. um, that once I arrived, I, I was like, where where am I? Have I been transported to Greenpoint in 2012? <laughs> um, and, I, you know, it's a, it, it, they're, they're burning wood in the back. Uh, there's, of course, a natural wine bar attached to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And um, so it wasn't looking good from the get-go uh, because I'd heard a report because, you know, we went to see uh, former guests in front of the show, Caroline Polachek, mm-hmm. Uh, at the shrine on Saturday and Carolyn had been to this restaurant and she was like, why are you going here? This is kind of like a duck and gland emporium. This doesn't really seem (laughs) kind of up your alley. And I was like, yeah, it doesn't, but who knows? Maybe the menu is seasonal. Maybe it changes. Hopefully they have, maybe they have uh, an impossible blood sausage on the menu (laughs) that you could maybe order. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they'll have some weird options for me that I wasn't expecting that weren't published on today's menu on Instagram. Um, (laughs) But the so we sit down and the and the waiter is is already annoying as a motherfucker mm. like thesp- thespian like unplaceable accent. Let me explain the menu to you and the menu is really fucking straightforward. There's mm-hmm. no explanation needed. So so far this be sounding like medieval times just for the record. That th- this is what my problem is. This is feeling like when I went to Commerce Inn in New York where it's like what are these dishes? Why are we eating like we're in the 1800s? Like, I don't need my robot to serve me pad thai, but I need it somewhere in between. I'll tell you why, Chris, because eating like you're in the 1800s is a fucking vibe, bro. It, it clearly is a vibe. No, it definitely was a vibe, all right. <laughs> um, but but I I mean, I have many bones to pick, no pun intended. Okay. Um, but, but the number one thing, we ordered multiple things for the table. The cornbread is the only good thing on the menu. Um, delicious fucked up cornbread with a southwestern style hatched chili for a little heat um which is nice and 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 brought me back to my days in santa fe oh wow so we order two pieces of fish for the six of us to share as a main and uh usually ordering a fish as a as a you know pescatarian fish eater is a safe bet jason you know what i mean (laughs) that's usually like oh i ordered fish because i i eat fish i don't eat meat they brought two pieces of fish to the table, and this fucking waiter, uh, you know, of course, tells us what's on the dish, and he he proceeds to tell us that the fish is topped with a ham vinaigrette. <laughs> a ham vinaigrette. Are, okay. Ham vinaigrette. These are two words I've never heard used together in the same sentence. Okay. Well, I'm I'm guessing this is sort of a white guilt exo sauce. That's yeah. I think that's yeah. So so I'm like. What do you mean ham vinaigrette? 
And he's like, ham vinaigrette, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> bitch, I know what ham is and I know what vinaigrette is, but I'm saying you chopped up little pieces of ham and put some olive oil in it and threw it on top of a piece of fish. And that is basically what it was. And then I, of course, I didn't eat it. I had to order a, a, a second mushroom spoon bread just to give my stomach some lining to drink water. Spoon bread? My dining, my dining companions... <laughs> Are like, what do you mean ham? So these people all eat ham and they take one bite and they're like, this fish did not need the ham. <laughs> um, and and so I, I I just left. I didn't even order dessert. What? I was, I'm so upset, Jason, that I had Damn, to stop bro. at the Whole Foods, former Whole Foods 365 in Silver Lake on the way home mm -hmm. and get some rice cakes for the car because I was so hungry that I needed Ooh. a snack after that medieval meal that sent me reeling. Wow. So... After all these years, you have finally become a real Angelino. You're doing real Angelino things, going to Whole Foods alone to get rice cakes on the way home from a dinner. This is like your everybody hurts era right now. Uh, it, it is. There's no other way to put it. I just I, I I ran to people I knew. I ran to my my friend Jared and Marky Jared who who produced the shoot for us for matches at the Whole Foods, which is also like a weird. Mm. You know, it's nine thirty on a Sunday night. They're like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" I'm like, "Well, it's Very a long story." Question. Funny you say. Funny you say that. Yeah, actually, on Sunday, my brother texted me. He's like, "I think I just saw." Chris driving down Silver Lake Boulevard, and I was like, "I yelled at oh, him. he's 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 on his way." To Dunsmore against his wishes. I, I yelled at him from the car, and all I wish I did was turn that fucking car around and slurp oysters with your brother on mm. that fucking patio. My brother sees you heading to Dunsmore, and in slow motion, he's waving you off like like a hundred foot wave. Like, don't go out, don't do it, bro. <laughs> don't go. The conditions are too gnarly. This is a hot, cool restaurant that I've heard people talk about, and I understand why. Like, I it has all the trappings, mm -hmm. um, but I haven't been disappointed with a meal like that in a while. It was all just so weird. I think the wine list is quite good from my companions that are in the business. They mention mm -hmm. that, um, so that's a plus. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say that you are a good friend for attending this this restaurant, which basically does not have uh, a whole lot of vegetarian options and you know it is what it is and i'm sorry that you did go through that thank you <laughs> thank you for thank you for saying that and also and also you know renaissance style oh anything is really not in your wheelhouse either like even if the food was good you would still be irked by the set and setting i'm assuming yeah prob and, prob um, probably probably yeah. and speaking of polachek I, I was i was noticing when we went to go see Polachek, so the same weekend, you go to this restaurant, Polachek plays, and the Renaissance Fair of Los Angeles was all happening the same weekend. Hold on. You're saying... This, you're, we're in our Renaissance era right now. But you're saying that the Polachek show wasn't the Renaissance Fair. These are two separate things. Well, that's that's the, that's my point exactly. And a lot okay, of people okay. that I saw afterwards, you know, smoking a clove or whatever they, they, they do, smoking a... <laughs> Smoking a quail's yeah, sure. a quail's hoof or something that they use back in those times, and I was like, "Did you just come from the Renaissance Fair, or is this how you would have dressed for the Polachek show?" Some people said Renaissance, some people said Polachek. It was just in the the lines were too blurred. Insane, insane. And um, we got to run into former guest friend of the show, Jimmy Stack. One of our faves. Um, I was telling him you could tell who the PC music nerds <laughs> yeah, in the audience the are I because. Told the story. <laughs> Because they're nodding their head in double time. <laughs> She's playing some <laughs> they ballad. They only hear drum and bass. Like, dun, 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 dun. 
you know, this nice slow ballad and everyone's swaying and, you know, in this ethereal fairy jungle kind of vibe. And then you see the PC music fucking nerds and they're nodding their head like a, you know, 170 BPM drum and bass remix of this song that's happening, which is like, it's, they are geniuses where they're just like, oh, this is like a a whole, I I see worlds that you can't see. Yes. But it's also so nerdy. I love it. Uh, The show, I mean, she was great. I mean, I I really, I really liked it. The fans are, of course, the worst, but that's every show you go to. But I mean, when Charlie came out to do the, the remix, um it i literally felt like the it was like an eruption i felt in danger a little bit for being straight in that moment yeah yeah i mean it was really like you were at rolling loud and you're watching yes, and you're yes, watching like Boogie with a hoodie and everyone's and he's like all right guys make some noise for travis scott and everyone's like what the are you fucking you know it was it was that reaction um and and i I do want to talk more about this with our with our guest because live music really makes uh a lot of sense with him so and, and he's on the call now so why don't we give uh give our guests an intro and patch in and we can we can pick up right where we left off our guest today is alex papademus um who's a writer you've probably read him in gq the new york times uh there's a great story recently about depeche mode um but he's got a new he, he's got a new book out with a co-author um quantum criminals ramblers wild gamblers and other soul survivors from the songs of steely dan uh jason and i are both not steely dan fans so we're gonna kind of try to breeze over that with him um but he is a podcast professional mm-hmm. so he'll respect that i'm sure yeah he's a he's a man of intelligence and opinions i've been friends with him on twitter for many a year as as well as i'm sure a lot of our listeners have um so it'll be interesting to see if we can avoid talking about his book the sole reason he came on the show and <laughs> So let's give him a zoom and, uh, and figure it out. Let's figure it out. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long that's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert how long gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. as you know you know hair thinning is quite complicated like your skin hair is a reflection of your health uh oh, and internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly 
thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long? All one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> Dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. How long gone is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we were spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me and uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. All right, Alex, welcome to How Long Gone. Thank you. You were listening to the intro, I'm sure. Um, you, uh, we have a lot to talk about, but one, one thing to get, to get the, uh, the tires kicked and the engine started, when I, when I was at that show, uh, the, the Polacek show, there was a couple sitting in front of us, and they were, they were kind of unable to enjoy a concert that they paid money to go see of one of their favorite artists because of their attention span. One of the people was, you know, when a slow song or a song they didn't like came on, they were just kind of scrolling through guys on Hinge. And then the other person <laughs> would pull up their doggy cam at home and just sort of like zoom in on the live feed of their dog at home. So why why can't we enjoy just a musical concert like we used to in the times of Steely Dan? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, were they a companion couple? Like they were together, and then one of them was looking at guys on Hinge, or they're just hanging out together? No, that, no, yeah, no. It, was the, it was a girl. <laughs> the girl was looking at guys on Hinge, and then her. I don't know for sure, but I'm going to stereotype and say it was her gay that was reluctantly there. It was a gay bestie. I could tell by his cropped white fleece vest, like puffy vest he was wearing. It was. We kind don't of need to call out exacts in case they're listening, but yeah, oh, yeah he, was, he, was, <laughs> he was her gay, and he was being sort of held captive against his will. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, look, we, 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 all, we all forgot how to act 
during the pandemic how to be in public. And I feel like some people have just never, never switched back. So you forget that you're you're in, in a public space uh, where people can see what you're doing. You know, this is like they can see that you're not into it. But also, I mean, look, this is less. It's a, this was an LA show, I assume. This was here. Yeah, it was. It was. Car- it was Caroline Polachek at the Shrine Theater. Uh, yes. in, in, on the on the beautiful USC campus. Do not come for the City of Angels on this podcast, Alex. Not at all. But look, look, I'm not the, the city. The city, you know, look, uh, the, the city. She she uh, kisses me, Wendy, like uh, Anthony Kiedis. I love it. But like, be uh, like. Oh no. These these crowds though at these concerts like I you know look I felt like I you know I went to see Depeche Mode and I was thinking like okay I'm going to be in here with like elder goths just like exploding out of their seats with no excitement. Way. No way. So industry and so everybody like is you know just kind of everybody got comped and everybody's just kind of like isn't it crazy that we're at this Depeche Mode concert? <laughs> let's not ruin our chances at getting Alex let's not ruin our chances <laughs> at getting comped just moving forward just relax with that. Um I, I will make fun of the I will make fun of the regular attendees, not the industry <laughs> folks. We're kind of in the pockets of those wow. people, so just know what you're dealing with here. I, I will say that uh, at uh, I, saw, I also saw Iggy Pop last week, um, and that crowd was going off. I got you know slam danced into. That has not happened to me in you know 15 years at, at shows, and like it was really. I, like I heard it, that like, was. <laughs> I heard about that. I heard that it was. It was extremely lit. It got nuts. Just we were just yeah. talking about that. Uh, a recently because i saw him perform at the the celine fashion show a few months ago and it was iggy pop opening and then the strokes played and then interpol played and iggy pop's fucking 80 year old ass blew everyone off stage you like times 10 like it was not even a contest and it was so cool to see and all the young people who had no idea who iggy pop was didn't know his music by the end of the show were just like that was the sickest thing i've ever seen like it's cool to see an old person converting young you know kind of unaffected yeah. i mean you forget how many songs he has that were are just like anthems that are just going to make everybody just go off and just kind of lower their mm. heads and crash into each other you know there was a point where i was like shit this is getting really intense and he hasn't played search and destroy yet like it's still <laughs> that one's still in the quiver yeah no we got a little you're time. like my man is sitting on some heat and they don't even know yet bro yeah i ain't even know it yeah. I, I mean sure. i guess at these sh- at these shows i just feel like i don't know i i i saw the walkman in new york last week at, at webster hall and then i saw carolyn polachek carolyn polachek in the same week you know and the crowds couldn't have been more different chris you're so diverse with your musical flavors it's crazy well i mean the carolyn Pol- the carolyn polachek crowd was shockingly ugly and we were blown away by that uh, <laughs> because i assumed because she's so hot and like the music is kind of hot i just assumed the crowd would also be hot wait what did i say chris i said this crowd doesn't look good enough to be the- expressing themselves this much <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and my other friend, my friend Stevie, that's not, that's not my, nice. I'm my sorry. friend Stevie, who was there, was tell, yeah, was like, I've never felt more straight in my life, and he's a gay man. That that's how extreme the crowd was. Okay, so Chris, you <laughs> you wouldn't say that you went to Dunsmore with him, but you're able to quote him on that one. I like that. Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, but I just, I did, I guess I was just, I'm always stunned at the crowd. Like you're saying with Depeche Mode, I saw Depeche Mode in New York too, and I was shocked by how diverse the crowd was. Like it was all over the place. Like you could not pinpoint 
who the people were. Yeah, there were there were closeted fifty four year old guys from all corners of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but it was yeah, it was just a, it's it, the crowds are almost more entertaining than the shows these days as a as an anthropological study is what I'm starting to feel. That's a you thing. I I kind of choose based on that sometimes. I'm like I really wanted to see who was who was at Iggy Pop, and it was uh, you know at, at first I was like oh this is everybody these are people who haven't been to a show in fifteen years and they're kind of getting out there. But like I will say that, that you know. They, they, they brought it when it was time to bring it. That's what matters. Yeah, that's funny that you're talking about going to shows for, you know, just anthropological studies or whatever. I was talking to Sam Hunt, who's a old agent friend of mine, and he was saying, like, are you are you guys going to Stagecoach tomorrow? And I was like, no, I'm not going to Stagecoach. And, and he's like, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> gonna- <laughs> he's like, dude, like, I don't like this music either, but like, this is basically like going on like an African safari for like a wildlife <laughs> lover. Like, you guys need to be going here a hundred times more than you need to be going to Coachella just in terms of what you're going to see, you know, absorbing people. Yeah. I mean, we could write a book on going to stagecoach. I would no shade to book writers, of course. <laughs> no, of course no, never. I, I feel like that's probably more my speed, which is why I would avoid it just because I, I don't want to be the thing that I'm supposed to be at you know, my demographic age. I don't want to age into that <laughs> sure, just yet. Sure. I'm still fighting it off as long as I can. Brooks and Dunn played at Stagecoach, and they do our the theme song for our podcast. So you're preaching to the choir, sweetheart. Do they call it out? Like, the, here's the you might know this one from How Long Gone. I mean, they, they should. <laughs> I mean, I, I we need to build with them. We, I'm sure we could figure out a way to get in touch with Brooks and Dunn if we if we really yeah. Their uh, their lawyer has been trying to contact us for a while, Chris. Yeah, we should exactly, probably reach out exactly. and see if they want to build. We could, we could follow back. They keep we, we, sending we, these documents to my house or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Alec, so you didn't go to Willie Nelson's birthday party then either? Is that two up your street uh i was uh, somehow my invitation uh, got lost in the mail i did hear i did get some intel about who was uh performing at it and i guess it was like he had like an all white guys with dreads band because it's like don was and keith richards like that like you like, wow. had to have that to get in there well keith richards keith richards dreads are merely a product of not bathing it's not a choice so <laughs> let's not call him a white guy with dreads don was on the other hand has chosen that life and he's done yeah. it for so long. Yeah, it's cultivated. I don't know. Keith, Keith is a little iry. No, no, you know? he's not. <laughs> he's got a whisk. Has he's has do you think he's ever smoked weed before? I, I do think he smoked weed once or twice. I rest probably, my case. He probably didn't like it very much. Doesn't he, he have like, like a Jamaican retreat like 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 Ian Fleming yes, or something? Yeah, he, That's not where yeah, he fell yeah, off the tree. Yeah, he does. What kind of music is popular in Jamaica? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I not mean, totally look, sure. I'm not totally sure, Jason. Come on, bro. He irie as hell. I mean, um, <laughs> I wanted speaking of music, Alex. I saw you tweeting, and Chris sent me this as well. Um, I wanted to talk about Fallout Boys Crinal, where <laughs> it appears to be a, a, a one month late April Fool's joke. Is this? Can you verify that this is real? So they created a vinyl pressing system where you can embed actual tears into the vinyl pressing this is impossible right they didn't invent it they just use it they're using the the, the oh. it's not a fallout boy like proprietary i don't think well look i mean i know that you can put you can put human uh blood in in vinyl because I, I believe there was like i think kiss did that like you could get a kiss record like a copy of like destroyer with like paul stanley and gene simmons blood like mixed into the the the, the shellac yeah well that that part makes more sense you just you have the big hot pot full of vinyl and, and the nonas are stirring it you drop a couple of b- drops of blood in there and it's all good the photo on the crinal appeared that it was like uh, a layer of like actual liquid sandwich in between two pieces of vinyl and you could see 
the water bubble inside is that, or the tear mm-hmm. bubble. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually see what it what it looked like. That doesn't sound Always right. click through, Alex. Always click through. <laughs> no, no, pull it. Pull up your I tweet. Guess, all right, pull it up. I actually don't either. Right. I didn't do follow the directions where it's like, do you want to read this before you tweet it out? And I'm like, hell no. No, hell no. I don't want to read I don't need about too this. many facts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh yeah, no. It's got, now I'm like looking at it. Oh like, man, I got glasses on. I can actually see it. It's got like yeah, it's got bubbles of like of of you know, mm-hmm. I guess salty Fallout Boy tears. Now, how do you think they cried the tears? Like, do you think they can cry on command because they're emo, or did they have to like method it? Somehow? No, I think I, no, I think that, I think this is I think this whole thing is a lie, um, and I think it's uh, good marketing. Um, but I don't think I don't think Patrick Stump was was boo-hooing in studio city <laughs> to get this i don't think i don't think this i don't think that's what happened i mean pete wentz has has rescheduled and scheduled and rescheduled this podcast 25 times in the last six months so when he finally comes mm-hmm. on i'm going to confront him about these tears and who they actually belong chris to. said i'm gonna i'll give you something to cry about boy. yeah exactly exactly I, I don't think that but do you think this is do you think what other artists do you think are gonna because i also saw a statistic today that um I guess more than half of of vinyl purchasers don't have a record player. Like don't it's own a, a it's, record player, yeah. It's an official fact. So do you think I feel like this this falls into that category a little bit? Yeah, this is Fallout Boy just really understanding as they always have like what the market will bear, right? Like they know that they're going to sell, you know, however many, you know. Yeah. Oh, there's only 50 of them. So yeah, absolutely. Like I feel like you could cry that much. You can, and and, and you, like you know, you know exactly what it is. That's like. a lot of tears even if it's broken up between four white guys. That's that's a lot of tears. I mean, it's like the drummer the two, drummer two doesn't guys cry. Of the tears. drummer doesn't cry. He lives in Madison, Wisconsin, and listens to hardcore. He does not. He's not crying. It's three guys. Maybe he cries the most. Oh, good point. Good point. He can't. Point, he can't point, finish in, in, unless. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, PD, PD boy, come on the pod. We need to talk about this. We need to know. There's. I have too many unanswered questions. This is. But do you think the vinyl? Are you a vinyl collector, Alex? Are you a real head? You know, I was at one point, and I. I've sort of, it, I have like a setup in my house, but it is one of those things like, you know, I, I feel like it's always, you always tell people, oh, you got to invest in physical media because the streaming, we don't know, it's going to be gone. It always feels like the dumbest money, like that I never, I just sort of have these things around and I'm like, I'm never, I'm never putting this on just because it's not the room that I hang out in. So it's kind of in the room and it's like, it, it, it's become like a prop and I feel very sad about it. Do you have, um, you have, you have like a family, right? I do. I do indeed. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> that, those rooms only make sense when you live alone and then cuz you need somewhere to post your like cigar selfies in front of your like very expensive hi-fi <laughs> like this could be us but you plan. It's a Macintosh. It's a, it's a Macintosh mm-hmm. uh but the speakers are vintage yeah. actually. Some people listen to music. I feel it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I want that air to be moving around. No, I mean because it's yeah, it's not it's not in the room that I sort of spend the most alone time in and so it's kind of of no use to me except as like a thing that sort of marks me uh, to strangers as a as a mm-hmm. vinyl collector. It's just it's it's absolutely decorative and I feel bad about that cuz I'm essentially this yeah, I'm essentially the same as the people who are buying the Crinal and don't have a means to play it because I'm never, I'm never gonna play. Yeah, it. we gotta fire up, we gotta fire up that Discogs and do a little a sale. I'm sure you got some stuff that's worth some cash. In there. Yeah, there's some, there's some heat, there's some heat <laughs> out here in the garage for sure. <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, Chris. I'm sitting on some fucking flambés. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to know that a freelance writer with a couple books has got multiple rooms in his house, Jason. That's my main <laughs> takeaway from this: is that you got multiple rooms. Yeah. That's angry able so, to support family your wife's family is rich too that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) 
she does she actually does really well yeah it's i mean she does really well yeah uh, <laughs> it's, it's all that lucrative world of freelance uh, magazine writing being the the you know one of the last people in magazines that's it's it's still working out for me this year this quarter hey, but i mean that's the cream does rise to the top we've if, if you are a magazine writer who's worth a goddamn in this town we've you well first of all you've done how long gone but second of all you know it's like you have a real job and you have a real skill still yeah until the ai comes for you right i'm sure they're feeding it all it, my stuff right now and they're just training it you know to write like me that won't take long it'll be it'll be quick they'll have a you know the robot will be here will come <laughs> that won't take long. well that's the thing you've been you've been beasting for so long that there's a lot of material to crib from and create the there's ai there's a lot for the alex tron 3000 to, to <laughs> exactly through. exactly uh what part of la are you in i don't not to dox you but just to kind of situate yeah you, i feel like i've said it publicly before uh but um, you know it's a I'll, talk about it it's uh, do, you, do you know where los globos is on sunset boulevard oh my god D D jason knows where <laughs> J jason knows where the bodies are buried at los globos i've I mean, only yeah, been there so a few sure, times I'm, I'm sure jason yeah for sure you're you're aware of it so basically i'm like I'm up too aware of it from there we can see we can see that from the, the kitchen what a beautiful um, like view what a beautiful wow, okay. view it's really nice yeah, no, it was a nice moment at the sort of like the moment I knew sort of COVID was over was when the lights came back on at Los Globos after two years. It was really like a nature is healing <laughs> kind of moment. Like it's sort of, it, well, I've, I've only been there like two or three times in the course of having lived here for 10 or 12 years at this point. But And having lived there, were you hoping that those lights were never going to come on again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want, I want the goths to have their goth night. Like I want, I want that for them. It's like better them than me, but like I've, you know, I'm happy for whoever is lining up for, for whatever it is. Cause like, there's still there's lines around the block for whatever is happening there on a given Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, but there's there's a difference between the the fun little goth night and whatever. You know what I mean? There could be like the the Suicide Boys tribute band. You know, do you want those people pissing pissing in your bushes? They're buying hot dogs at fucking three a.m. while you're trying to sleep. I don't know, man. It, it's mm -hmm. a it's a risky it's a risky deal over there. It could go it can go some wrong ways. Okay, so you're a Silver Lake local. That's right. Going back to when the uh, the reservoir runner died in the jacuzzi you know about all that i'm sure yeah some of some of that i mean i think we we've been here since uh, uh like what's what like actually like marks us as as haven't been here it's because it was i don't know like when it, it was when sunset triangle was like first starting to happen was when we moved here so we felt at the time like we were the the carpetbaggers the interlopers the the gentrifiers and mm -hmm. now we've been here long enough that we can sort of look down on people who are coming in now and so you know this the cycle of, of life mm -hmm. i feel like that's how it i know you were what a rush i know you were yeah. over there protesting the byredo store opening you know what i mean <laughs> get these fucking corporate businesses out of my neighborhood i'm only going to stella for bad fish have you um alex have you been to the new pizzana over there in silver lake i have not been to pizzana i've not like everything is converting to it we're converting to an all pizza economy here <laughs> and we gradually <laughs> and i, I kind of like that i mean i i sort of I, I like when like these sort of like like active wars sort of develop that like the you know the the, the salt and straw has opened like 10 feet from the gelato place mm -hmm. you know yeah that's good that, like that's like yeah i mean like that's a good gelato place and i sort of i you know i support them but like yeah there's a it's that you know moved in there but yeah um those i like that when there's two businesses like just right literally on each other's corner just really sort of actively fucking with one another yeah i mean for when it, when it's like the coffee shop opens a few doors down for the other coffee shop it's a little like all right that's a little messed up but it's like it's coffee there's enough to go around everyone drinks it. it's not that big of a deal but when the like 
the poke place opens up next door to the other poke. When it's a little more specific, that's when it starts getting or feeling kind of cruel. But um, the uh, I'm going to Pizza Ana tonight, which is why I was asking. But tell me about the, I don't know any I don't know anything about this place. Is this it's the like, one owned um, by? It's a sh- like a like a pizza chef guy. He's got a few locations in L.A. and I think another another state maybe. But he's like known as like a, a modern kind of pizza chef guy who does things a little bit differently, but gained a lot of steam. I think the original ones in like Beverly Hills or Brentwood or something. But they opened in Silver Lake. I went to like a friends and family like pizza party soft opening thing there like a month ago. And I took an edible thinking I was going to like plop down in some booth and just start fucking ripping down pizzas. But it was, uh, it was like completely packed, like wall to wall. And I couldn't find any pizza. And there was just like (laughs) dogs and strollers. I couldn't find any pizza. People, people just kind of standing around talking and nobody was eating pizza. There's no place to sit down. And I kind of had like a panic attack and left. But it made me think about the, when you invite somebody to a pizza party, specifically it's so low stakes it's you're just saying like we're gonna have food and that's all i'm promising you you, you may not have a place to sit mm. you may not have anything to drink you may not eat on a plate but there will be food you know yeah there is some kind of a contract implied there yeah of, there's you know, a, con- a promise I'm, a promise has been made i really don't like the <laughs> name of that restaurant just let me put that out there <laughs> I'll run that up the flagpole tonight for my 7 p.m. res. As a known Zaw head, I mean, if it's what, what do you think he means by we do things a little differently around here, Jason? And why do you accept it from him um, and maybe not some other restaurants? Um, probably just watching like documentaries or like some YouTube shit or some food chef's table thing where he was on. And I was like, oh, you know, because there's innovation that's stupid and there's innovation where you're like, oh, that kind of. It may sound stupid, but I'm curious to try it, you know? Yeah, sure. No, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. But we don't know what the innovation is. It's not like a stuffed crust kind of a, <laughs> like, you know, the pizza, real pizza science. <laughs> no, I wish. It's being done on the corporate level. It could be some dorky like temperature shit. You know, that's kind of the stuff Jason gets chubby, chubbed yeah, for. Yeah, I'm, 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 it's leaning more in like a experimental sourdough starter. And I did, you know, different leavening techniques and sourcing ingredients and things like that. And less... You know, this one has chocolate fudge inside the crust, or whatever. You know, that's too bad. That- <laughs> this one has a it's it's draped in a ham vinaigrette. Yeah, like a liquid nitrogen is involved at yeah. some stage of the process. Exactly, gold leaf, liquid, you know, dry ice, za stuff like that. That's not what I'm after. I mean, the fact that the fact that stuffed crust isn't still kind of dominating the pizza landscape is pretty <laughs> shocking when you think about. I don't how- think it was ever dominating. Oh, I think no. There was a time I think where when Pizza Hut introduced it as well as all the competitors i think it was a pretty serious competition for the crown it, w- it was playing the yuma tent it wasn't main stage though you <laughs> have not, to do you not. have to be honest okay maybe i mean i i guess maybe you've never tasted the little caesar stuffed crust but it was a it was a i mean as a foodie it's crazy you fool it's a as a foodie it's crazy that you've never had that do you know how much little caesar i've been eating I, I was eating little caesars when it was good that's how long i've been eating little caesars when i was a kid little caesars was by far the greatest of all pizzas I, I, that's and fun. now it's sort of it's like what you eat when you your friend like bails you out of jail. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know it was that. <laughs> but I didn't even. <laughs> Jason, do you think that that's true that it's declined in quality, or have you just dec- like increased in your ability to discern between good and bad? That's the like the question <sighs> I always have. This is the question of my life, Alex. <laughs> this is what I'll be writing my book about. Not like your Steely Dan, but um, 
this is something I wonder all the time with McDonald's as well, uh, where it's like, you know, it, has my taste improved since, from when I was seven years old? Sure. But has the quality gone down? Have, has the quality of ingredients? Has society as a whole crumbled more? Has, you know, the way people care about service industry? You know, there's so many different factors that have changed. And I definitely think that the food at Little Caesars and McDonald's and every almost every single restaurant has gotten worse over time. Processed foods, ingredients becoming cheaper, the the population not caring about life anymore. The yeah. list goes on, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I feel that for sure. I kind of, but I always wonder because it's also it's it, it is also like wait was this always kind of trash? And I just sort of I recognize that now because I've I've seen you know brighter days. <laughs> than this i mean like you right know, you know because i have a you know I have, I have a 12 year old and so like i've you know have access to candy sometimes that i wouldn't ordinarily buy for myself you know there's like halloween candy around access. the perfect crime the per- right yeah <laughs> yeah you know, sure. they're, they're not counting it so it's like you know you have a twix mm-hmm. and you haven't had a twix you know since you were like eight years old and it's like oh is that did twix get worse or am i smarter than i was back then i can bro twix it's both slaps it's both. bro you're fucking crazy <laughs> Twix is slapped. No, I, I think it's fully both. Hits. I mean, because they've found a way to make the profit margins on Twix better and better with time and by getting worse ingredients that do the same thing, stabilizers and what have yous. It doesn't mean that the taste is better. It just means that you can sell it for more money or, and, or make, make more money off it. Right. And I think that's across the board for all food. Yeah. Except for eating at Dunsmore. Like a little regret keeps you from from eating too much of it. And I think that that's that's good. So really, it works in my favor, ultimately, that you're like, oh, this was not this isn't worth it. What I'm doing to myself right now. Yeah, no, that's a great attitude to have. I use that all the time where it's like this is not, you know, it's if it's not sparking joy or nostalgia. I mean, like, I wish I could go back and eat a slice of Little Caesars, you know, pizza where like the edges are all gooey and crispy and crunchy and. Back when they used cheese that was made out of cows instead of like lab-grown hormone cheese or whatever, but but you just can't. Yeah. I I want to ask you about um, some other breaking news, Alex, that we've been seeing this week. Yeah, please. Um, about uh, I know a, f- a friend of yours, uh, Ed Sheeran, <laughs> and kind of what he's going through with this lawsuit. Where if he loses, he said he's going to quit. He's like, bro, I stole this shit from Van Morrison. I didn't even steal it from Marvin Gaye. If you guys, can, if you guys, if I'm guilty, I'm quitting. Is what he's saying. Now. Okay. Well, can you can you explain the story for our listeners and me who don't know what you're talking about? No, I mean it's a bit. It's just like he's getting sued by the Marvin Gaye estate for ripping off a Marvin Gaye song, and it's like, okay. But he's basically saying like, first of all, I stole it from Van Morrison. Second of all, there's only so many chords, right. losers. Like, what do you want me to do? Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, first, my first thought is that when this happened, is like, man, I need. Marvin Gaye's estate lawyer on my team for this because I feel like didn't he? There was also blurred lines, wasn't that? Also, that weren't they? That, yes, that exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these they are like these motherfuckers get it done. Yeah, no, it's like how like just you can't like George Lucas will come after you. You know, came after Luther Campbell and everything. You just those really policing yes, those trademarks yes. like a Disney level. But but is it is it a question of his legal team being so excellent, or is it a question of Marvin Gaye's music being so excellent that? It's like being Tom Cruise's manager. You just wake up and open your email and the, and the jobs there, the money's there. You know, you don't really have to work for it. You know what I mean? Right. It just, yeah, it just kind of pours in. Everyone is biting Marvin Gaye constantly. You just open your, you just open the net and start catching dollars. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's part of it. It's just that, yeah, these songs are, these songs are so good and they're just in, in, 
you know, their heads and everything. They steal themselves. They're so good. Yeah. And I feel like also though, if like, as you, you know, like I, I'm, I'm not a songwriter, but like there are times when you're like dicking around on guitar and you're like, Oh, that sounds really good. And then you realize like, Oh, it sounds good. That's all along the watchtower or something. <laughs> like you wrote something that already kind of, exists. there's a reason this sounds so good. There's yeah. This sounds, sounds so exactly. Good. Like this, why does this sound so good? It's like, yeah, I came up with this myself. And then like, you realize you've just kind of pulled it out. You've just stumbled upon something that, that, already existed i guess if you're ed sheeran you just let push through that feeling and just say no one's no, no one's gonna net or whatever and just let it happen yeah that's tough I've, I've heard other comedians talking about where they come up with a joke idea and then they text their friends like hey have you heard this joke because i feel like it's so good that i couldn't have been the person to invent it yeah and is that the collective unconscious working or is it just that you heard it and forgot that you heard it yeah all of the above but i think that he i i think that this does set i mean i i think that i i don't know i think it sets like a weird precedent to be like this is too i don't know i mean i think it's like really i i think that like a the fact that like a judge who doesn't know shit about music gets to decide this is pretty crazy <laughs> to me. But like, I guess that's when it that's should the have like a system like, in general, um, like a, a celebrity producer should like Pharrell should be the one who decides. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. Rick Rubin yeah, it should be Pharrell. Yeah, Pharrell, Doctor Luke, Rick Rubin, kind <laughs> of like America's Got Talent style. You need like a voice panel or something, like four four guys in chairs, sort of turning around, like <laughs> ruling on this. Yeah, no, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Totally. Yeah, council Seems we'll like- see what Gwen Stefani has to say about this. Okay. And, <laughs> and also I like I like Ed Sheeran yeah. using that as a threat to the legal system. Like, <laughs> hey, trust me, if this goes, I'm quitting music. As if the judge is gonna be like, oh no. I don't think he's I think he's saying that more in the press, like this is so bad for all of us. Like, I, I don't need this headache. Like, I can't. Right. I'm not going to write music if it's going to go under the microscope every time of people. But this is like a thing. I mean, this is like, this is like, you know, th- this happens in a lot of industries where it's just people are waiting to sue you to make money. That's like a whole, that's a whole way of, of doing business, which this, mm-hmm. the Marvin Gaye estate feels like they might be on that wave a little bit. Uh, but I. Well, hopefully Ed Sheeran quits music is what I well, hope happens. Sure. Right. No, don't do that. But that's weird. It's weird to threaten that it's weird to it's weird to hold that over as if that sort of has some legal bearing on the case it's like well this will put me out this will put me out of business if i can't lift from from marvin gay or is it more of like i will be so (laughs) disappointed that i will just it it won't be fun anymore like if i you know like that i'll just walk away i think it could yeah i think it's a little bit of both i think it also gets in your head you know what i mean where it's like what the fuck now is everything i write now i'm gonna have to run through some computer to tell me if it's too similar to a song from 50 years right. ago but you know it just doesn't it just doesn't seem fun it is though this has that they have that for sampling now that like they're starting to use ais so that like you can't you cannot get away with uh even sampling like you know a drum hit or anything because like they can instantly figure out Uh-oh. like where it comes from like there's been a lot of like you know like people are using people are built training these ais to find like I don't know. I can't think of what it is, but it's like the unfindable, like, you know, DJ premiere sample from, you know, 30 years ago. Like, what was that? We never figured it out. And it's like, oh, it's this instantly sort of gets it in two seconds. Mm-hmm. And like, that's like, you know, yeah. the chilling effect there is, I feel like, as more, more profound. I mean, if I was Ed Sheeran, I don't know that I, 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 I would worry about people calling that that bluff a little bit yeah, like yeah. Oh, i'm gonna quit music like uh, yeah d- yeah don't yeah, threaten me with a good time yeah no that's yeah very to much. me that that there it's the same thing as when you hear comedians saying like oh i'm not allowed to say jokes anymore because the woke police will come get me kind of thing it's the same kind of whining for that where it's like you you've always been able to sample you know use samples in music or 
or borrow ideas from other one. What is it? Good artists, blah blah blah. Great artists steal kind of yeah, thing. Genius or, steals, yeah. Genius, or whatever. You know, it's it's all about getting caught. Like you can still take a sample or a joke or an idea and manipulate it enough and make it your own to where nobody suspects it. And if you're just lazy about it and you just straight up rip it off, then yeah, you kind of deserve to be caught. Yeah. I mean, I have, I, there's a Steely Dan uh, angle here to this story, but I'm not going to, I'm no, not going to no. ruin the show. No, please, no, down. please, please. Road. We'll allow one. We'll see, we'll see what one feels like and kind of go from there. The, Stevie, is Steely Dan the American songbook? Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, what I love about them is that uh, they pilfered really freely, especially from like other jazz yeah. guys, like they, you know, from like Horace Silver, and then uh, they stole from Keith Jarrett so profoundly on the Gaucho album that he successfully sued them uh, for publishing. And then, you know, 20, 30 years later, uh, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns uh, made uh, Deja Vu Uptown Baby out of Black Cow. Mm -hmm. And uh, Donald Fagan and Walter Becker have 100% of the publishing on that song. <laughs> the, the only so that's why, okay, that that that's why Peter Guns does love and hip hop. Then he doesn't actually have any money because Steely Dan's taking all. Well, the he checks. still has a yes. lucrative live concert event. Uh, <laughs> in, income, right? Was this now? Was this even? I believe he has like a performance royalty, maybe. But he's making about seven, eight grand a year from live shows alone. Okay, so you're saying that? Okay, so. This is, but this is similar to I think what happened with uh, Richard Ashcroft and and the Rolling mm -hmm. Stones, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where they finally gave it to him, like in the last like two years right. or something. They finally were like, "Yeah, <laughs> we can finally make money off of Bittersweet Symphony," which is fucking I, it, crazy. It's, it's very it, to me. It's kind of similar to like like how the IRS is like, we know how much money you owe us, but we want you to tell us, kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, we know that you're stealing our shit, but like, just come to us before. And be like, all right, yeah, we'll like split it 60-40 or whatever. Like, we're happy to do that. If the song is going to be a hit, yeah, you know, do it. But if you just do it without asking, that's when now I got 100%, bitch. Supposedly, too, they were about to uh, legally, like uh, Diddy, Puff Daddy at the time, was about to legally sample Black Cow and make a song out of it. And that would have been a huge, obvious payday for uh, Donald and Walter. And uh, then... That song didn't come out because Deja Vu came out and used the Black Cow loop, the exact same Black Cow beat. And so it was like a it was a little bit of a little bit of a revenge move as well. But yeah, it's just fun to hear like, you know, Lord Tariq and or Peter Guns, I forget, sort of talk about it and be like, so you're telling me that Donald Fagan wrote I'm quick to slide this dick up in your wife, which actually is something Donald Fagan would have written, but you know, it's hilarious. So you're telling me, hold on, hold on. This isn't adding up. I mean, I think that unfortunately I love that song. Um, the, uh, the Uptown Baby is really a, a classic. Um, oh yeah, Uptown Baby. I love, I, I love that song, but I, I'm, I, it, it does add up now why, why Peter Guns is doing reality TV? Because that, that seems like a song. <laughs> that seems like a song that would have made you a, a quite a lot of money over the years. I think like it gets played in like stadiums and stuff. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. at, at sporting events, etc. It's one of those songs, right? Yeah, it's it's a song that you could live like a, a modest but very happy, good life off of just the royalties off that alone. Yeah, he's he's not uptown anymore, is he? Well, like you guys are in the, downtown, midtown. You guys are in the music industry. You know that everybody is sort of always like, oh, I'll write another one that's that big. I <laughs> got another hit in me well i agree i agree with that line of thinking i think that we live in a culture now where everyone thinks that they're getting ripped off because their egos are so big and you see it in every industry people crying on social media and it's like dude you didn't sorry like this nothing this is not original I, I don't know what to tell you chief like you weren't the first one to do this um and you have to have the attitude that you can do it again 
or you could crumble. I think you have to have the attitude of like, I can do this again. I think that's a better way to live, even if it's not realistic. <laughs> it is. It's a good. Ad- I mean, yeah, if you, because if you don't believe that, then it's truly never going to happen. But if you do believe it, there's a smaller chance that it will happen. Miss all the shots you don't take. <laughs> God. Yeah, exactly. You said, you said it, Alex. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. So, um, how uh, how is the is the writer's strike affecting you at all, whatsoever, or not so much? I mean, it, only only in the sense that I feel you know a ton of uh, solidarity with my my fellow writers. But it is it's mm-hmm. it's like sobering to 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 watch it happen and to watch this thing that was once like a you know sort of a, a path to like a, a middle class creative life, you know, and the, the sort of mm-hmm. a sustainable middle class LA existence. And realize that that's you know as as tenuous as anything else. And like I don't want to compare, but it's as tenuous as as journalism, where you just kind of feel it. it's like you know oh it's a gig economy job with no protections, and like if you're really really lucky, you can almost make it. Like that you know <laughs> that's kind of like that sounds that sounds awfully familiar. It's just you know, but it sort of it just turns the it turns the world upside down to not you know when you realize that those those people aren't actually more successful than you, and like they're they're as, as fucked as you are mm-hmm. um, in in that moment. As someone who is who is not a, a TV writer of any kind and not like in a union, I would like to I would like to recommend that all writers kind of look into content creation as a pivot. Oh yeah, um, it seems to be kind of the new future. And there's a lot of money to be made with sponsored content and posts, et cetera. And it doesn't require quite as much uh, work as as writing does. Mm-hmm. So it's something to think. Same, I mean, same with crypto. It's a, it's, <laughs> these are both competitive spaces, but I think there's something to think about there. Alex, do you think we're ever going to see a world in, in the not so distant future where there's a podcaster's union, the podcaster's guild of America? I mean, I feel like it could happen. I feel like there's, a, you know, I've like, I've like looked into what you have to do as a pot, how much you have have to write and how much content but it's hard because you have to do it at a wga shop you know like so you can't really join like it's mm. your podcast has to be made by a company that's a wga signatory or something like that so you're saying you've tried to get health health care for being a podcaster before and it didn't work out so hard i've i've looked at it and it's another <laughs> it's, a, it's another way in which i've like looked at it and been like no i'm not they're never going to give that to me it's, it, it's like another way doesn't hurt you, to check nope just check the bylaws check the fine print i feel like there, i feel like, like how many hours I feel like Grantland in the Ringer is that. I feel like that's what I feel like that's the union. I feel like that's as close as podcasters are going to yeah. get. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you I, just get, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I mean, I was only asking because it's, I guess, sort of relevant to my interest as well as somebody who has to come out of pocket for that. Yeah. I mean, I think the solution is to, you know, like own your own thing and, you know, be making something that's kind of generating, you know, money hand over fist as I, as I, let's go, baby. You guys seem to be like, now we're talking this. See, this is some, this is some shit. I'm, I'm tired of everybody feeling sorry for themselves. This is what I'm talking about. We got to get up. We got to put on our fucking boots. We got to sit down at our mid century tables and we got to record fucking podcasts. And that's what we need. That's what we got to fucking do. And, you know, have to put, sit into my Michael Jordan Shays lounge chair, but, I do think there's. I do think that, and I get in trouble for this stuff because I'm a known union buster, which is kind of a, a joke. But I do think that there's a little bit of a a why. I guess Alex, what I'm asking is, why do you think people expect things to be fair? Because we've it's been proven <laughs> over and over and over that that the, it is not fair for many reasons. Things don't work out. Things are not fair for almost obviously it that unfortunately favors. Um, you know, a certain kind of person, I, I would say. Yeah. Well, once once you add the safety net of a union 
all the sexiness and artistic merit is removed from being a writer is what Chris is saying. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I think it's the way that we've all decided we care about like we, we really care about what corporations are doing and expect them to care about us. It feels similar to me where I'm like, have you guys not lived on this earth and realized that no one gives a shit about you, especially Netflix or Walmart? I just don't <laughs> understand where this expectation has come from. I, I'm not saying it's right. It's obviously not right. But I'm saying, why do you think people... I just don't understand that. I don't understand where that line of thinking comes from when it's been proven over and over again that no one cares about us as 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 a species. Especially if you know, if you like, listen to people who were sort of went through this. You know, who people who were striking ten years ago, and the exact same conversation that they're having about AI and shit now is mm -hmm. the conversation they were having about streaming and and this thing called the internet way back mm -hmm. when. And you know, they sort of they like it seems like essentially like lost lost that war and like i think you just have to you, you just have to fight it like there's no other you know choice to you know than than, than to do it i mean you know i i mm -hmm. don't because i'm a pure i'm just here in my house i don't have to fight anything uh, I'm, i've already lost <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm in my the garage. only thing he's got to fight are these dishes uh, my, my ring light is broken i don't even have that i'm like just yeah i'm just, you know barely you know struggling you I'm, said, just looking, I'm, going, I'm, watching. Oh. I'm going 10 rounds with the tile in the bathroom today that's what i'm doing i got some <laughs> shit i gotta work on over here but yeah i'm fighting this this kettlebell i don't know i feel like yeah if one of these podcasts clicks i'm gonna get a rug for this room that's really what i'm thinking about but yeah <laughs> I, yeah I, I i don't know but yeah i think the solution is like what you guys are doing is like this that's the smartest thing you just want to be you know you're, you're it's it's your thing you own it and as a gift it gets bigger and more successful like you profit from that directly but also i think you figured out like what people actually want out of this medium like that was the epiphany that i had like listening to this show i was like spent last year writing you know, like documentary podcast that was really sort of super produced and super reported and super involved and worked with all these really smart people on it. And you know how the story ends, like nobody listened to it. And like, I didn't listen to it. And like, I came home, <laughs> I would come home from a day of making this show that like, I'm still super proud of like as an achievement, but like I sort of would come and like, I'd be doing the dishes listening to how long gone. And like, that was what I actually wanted to hear. Like when I was, you know, so like, there's something about like, you know, the medium's ambitions for itself and it's like vision of itself versus what yeah. people actually want, which is the the parasocial experience. It's the meme of the kid eating ice cream next to the picture of kids having fun eating ice cream. It's like <laughs> you just want like a parasocial, mm -hmm. you want like a fake friends. Like you want cooler, funnier, faster friends than the ones that you have. We talk about <laughs> that and we, I mean, we talk about that a lot, like both on, on the show and off the show. But I, I also think there's a lot of people out there that look at podcasting as like a service to make them smarter. You know, and I think that's like mm -hmm. your show was kind of like that where you would do these deep dives on these subjects, you know, like whether you're interested in Pokemon or not, it's a fucking it's a giant multi-million dollar thing that there's a lot to be learned about, you know, Um yeah. And to me, it's like people, that's why the daily is so popular. People want to feel smarter. But at the same time, um, I, I, I just don't know which group is bigger. You know, the group that wants to listen to two guys bullshit with, with someone or the group that wants to learn something. I feel like it's neck and neck depending on where you look. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, just like, just like the tortilla meme, why can't we have both? You know, there, I think there's room 
Absolutely, for for both, and and I consume both styles of content all the time, just the same way. Sometimes I want to listen to rock and roll, and sometimes I want to listen to hip hop. Yeah, you know? no, that makes sense. That I mean, I I appreciate you saying that because I sort of feel like I was like, oh, I'm just I'm just doing this thing over here. It's like I'm you know I'm making canoes out of birch or something, <laughs> and like what everybody wants is the fiberglass, uh, you know, sort <laughs> of uh, multi sailboat. I bought mine from Walmart. Why are you doing all that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just you know I think that there's room for both, but I think that I mean the thing that i think there's not room for is fucking 50s radio celebrity voiced like stories like i think that shit is too dorky for anyone (laughs) like i just don't think that's gonna work i think something that i learn about learn about something niche yeah you know is is that's more appealing to me than like you know jesse tyler ferguson playing a a you know bellhop from the 50s like i don't want <laughs> but to like that. that shit is like when that clicks that's where the money is though that's the ones that get turned into like julia roberts movies and stuff like that's how well, that's, you know that's <laughs> the thing it's like the, the the payoff is so huge on that if that hits yeah. that you're gonna keep people are gonna keep doing it and it's like i just sort of i've tried to do it i've tried to pitch them and stuff but it's like you can't Every time what you end up doing is like, it's a fake podcast <laughs> where people don't, and like you just, or it's like a fake radio show or something. And you have to, I, I don't know. I feel like I can't train my mind to do that. And it's, again, it's another thing where I'm not, I'm not listening to these. No, things. no, I, I don't, I just think that, that, that to me is the weirdest or the weirdest one that exists like that. But it's, but it's because you can attach celebrities to it and like, yeah, get, get GE to sponsor it. You know, it's a very easy <laughs> sell versus, versus how long gone or even a, a six episode deep dive on Kendra. Lamar who like is a giant fucking I mean to me that's like you know he's one of the biggest people love him they're they like him too much in my opinion yes so it's like I I would imagine I would imagine a lot of people would want to listen to that yeah you know because they love it so much and want to hear more and more about it I mean you're being awfully polite to me I know like you're not a Kendrick fan you're being awfully respectful oh no I mean Kendrick's show I appreciate it no Kendrick is unlistenable garbage but I do think that the but I think that the it doesn't matter what I think it's like a cultural force and he's sold a shitload of records and like there's a lot of people involved that make it interesting and his whole story is interesting and he's clearly talented so it's like there's a lot to unpack whether i like it or mm. not you know he, he knows that it's garbage but he's saying i could see why somebody would want to compost this exactly. whereas chris <laughs> would just rather throw it away exactly exactly i would i would but kill the composting the is cute for you yeah yeah but I, I i think it's still important if we stop making these kind of well thought out produced considered shows and it only becomes dudes talking or chicks talking or whatever then uh then we really are going to get dumber and we really do need to have those you know a little bit more of a thinking person show for sure happening just to round us out you know even if it will not make any money and i guess back in the day that was you know through npr or you know museum grants or things like that for the arts to preserve that and and now npr is just you know i listen to a lot of commercials on npr now yep so are yep. you yep. are you turned off to podcasting you're like this shit is annoying and not as prestigious as, as writing books so i'm all i'm all set on this or do you think you'll you'll make a, a return it's still it's so much fucking easier than writing books still and that's right you get to, <laughs> that's you, right you get to talk to other people while you're doing it and you don't you're not like locked in a room <laughs> just like just being sad sort of you know just letting god have his way with you or whatever so it's like yeah I'm, like, <laughs> i am i am in this just me I'm, and a ice matcha getting fucked in the ass by god seriously that, like, that's it, what it, writing yeah. a book is yeah do I, do, like, do I deserve day glow today for the pages that i produced or whatever <laughs> 
remember. It's just not, it's, you know, do I get that Coquito? Do I trade up to the $12 one from the $8 one? Have I earned that? You know, asking yourself that, those, you know, on those oh, metrics. Alex has been listening. Okay. Oh, man. That's a good it's, trade. I, That's a good trade. Yeah. No, Diglett, man, that's a shout out. That's, you know, th- down the street. That's a gentrification thing that I'm very happy is, is there. Uh, it's very, you know, whatever it we was. All pick, we all pick the ones we like. We all pick the ones we like. Yeah, it's exactly. This is what's working for me. But no, yeah, it's like, but also it's like, it's it's communal in the way that, you know, it's sort of like like music is or something and filmmaking is, but like that, like book writing really isn't, you know? And so it's like, there's something about mm-hmm. that. Like, I want to keep working with the people that I worked with. And so I want to keep doing that kind of stuff in the future but i'm also sort of you know i'm also thinking about like oh like you know in uh, time investment and stress and strain investment versus like what's actually going to be consumed because there's just too much you can't i have the, my unlistened to podcast pile you know it's not a real pile but you know what i'm saying like there's so, <laughs> sure, many, so sure, many things sure. it's like so yeah no, it's like the sort like yeah. You, with the exception of the one that my wife made, I haven't finished one. I'm not up to date on any of the ones that I like actually wanted to listen to. And I'm, it's they're all made by great people and their genius work and everything. But it's kind of like it feels weird to just put this out into the you know the 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 ether and just watch it float away. Yeah, no, no, I mean that makes <laughs> so, sense. Not to get not to get dark. No, that's not dark. I mean that that's like pretty. That's like I mean I think that's like pretty reason reasonable. I love having my career choice be reaffirmed constantly. <laughs> It's yeah. No need to. You're apologize. like, yeah. I love telling you guys you're not smart enough to write a book. You should. You should keep doing what you're doing. That that's the that's my main takeaway. Well, and also another interesting part that I was just thinking of is like the the podcast community is very like back scratching, um, organic growth, helping each other out. You do your show, I'll do mine. Whereas the writers' world is a little more guarded and cunty and judgmental. You know, you you might do like a in conversation with at a bookstore and the person interviewing you probably is jealous of you and hates you even though they're feigning you know friendship and fandom yeah whereas podcasters it's just like it's like a like a golden retriever just like you do my podcast yay i do your podcast yay we all get we all get a little micro payment well yeah if you like sort of are doing the in conversation event i don't know about like the interlocutor necessarily but like you know half of that audience is like this fucking book is terrible i can't stand this guy i can't (laughs) believe can you believe this many people showed up or like they're all just kind of like uh you know i'm like yes i mean that's how i've I've been in that in that seat. This drivel. Yeah, just like just you know, but you got to show up and sort of support it or whatever. But you're like, mm, I, don't, I don't know about this. Like, and, and I'm sure there's people who are going to feel that way. You know, about you know when I'm uh, when we're uh, on tour, uh, the two against literature tour this summer. Uh, come out and hate us. Are you guys <laughs> doing? Are, now, are you guys doing a full? Are you guys doing a full? Where Where are we going? U.S. Are we going international? How far is this thing going? Going to Kiev. Uh, there's a London Shoreditch date because Joan Lemay, the artist of this book, is in London, and so she will be showing the like prints of the actual illustrations from the book which are these big beautiful portraits of the characters from steely dan songs in london um uh but then it's mostly the rest of it is us we're doing like you know la portland seattle new york city uh a couple of uh, chicago that's a that's like a lot though it's pretty i mean it's pretty that's pretty serious as far as like yeah when you self-finance uh your book tour because you're putting out a book with the university press uh you can go wherever you want to because like you can just buy a (laughs) ticket and go there and like you know people will be be stoked (laughs) to do that so if you're just paying if you're 
So the way you do this, <laughs> yeah. Here's the here's the key. Just take your own money and put it in a pile and just kind of you know sort of set it on fire. But like you get to go to a city at the end of the month, they'll send you a bill or whatever. But you don't have to pay the whole thing all at once. You can <laughs> no. kind of break it up over your That's, whole life. That, that is. Yeah, nice. I'm that is nice. I like to say yeah. I'm working with uh, Capital One and Delta Sky Miles on this, <laughs> and uh, there've been some really supportive partners uh, in this. No, I mean I like, like oh wow, brought to you by Capital One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not exactly. In a sense. <laughs> in a sense. And if you, they didn't pay us, but they've helped with our transactions, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have a transactional well, um, relationship. We, we, I do want to talk about your book a little bit. Uh, you know, we're, we're only joking about not wanting to talk about it. That would be completely rude, but right. we will talk about it a little bit, not a lot. Sure. Um, it's, it's about sort of the peripheral characters in the Steely Dan universe, interesting folks. Interesting anecdotes and stories. Uh, if you were to name one of these people in the Steely Dan universe that would kind of get us a little hard, who would it be and what's the story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I talk about, you know, we, we talk about uh, MF Doom in there. because Oh, hell no. Whole, well, I'm going like, uh, to stop you there. I'm going to go ahead and stop you there. Hell no, not MF Doom. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, uh, no. we're catching largemouth bass and you're not using a fly here. You got to switch it up. Switch up the bait. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but I mean, I am surprised to hear he's mentioned in the book, but that's as far as I'm going to take. All right. That's fair. That's fair enough. Yeah. It's about all these weird characters that sort of populate these songs because they, you know, they wrote in the, you know, it's sort of a, it was two guys writing these songs donald Be- donald fagan walter becker mm-hmm. you know they they sort of created in the a sort of a third person who is their narrator of these songs they are not necessarily autobiographical so it's about all these like you know weird kind of proper names and sort of speculating on who they are yeah it, well exactly yeah they sort of they, they have plausible deniability of having done any of the things that are depicted in these songs some of which are you know illegal and you know so it's a white man it. in the 70s got it okay oh <laughs> yes white, white men with no accountability sort of like yeah, <laughs> forsaking their accountability but yeah i feel like steely dan were sort of watching the other sort of 70s white men engaging in their unaccountable behavior and and kind of writing about them critically by writing sort of getting inside their heads and sort of mm. imagining what the lies they tell themselves to get away with what they're doing this is like mm, a mm. The, the steely dan is like a fucking i, I feel like in the last th- three to five years there's been like a resurgence or popularity or or just like absolutely why why do you think that happened is it just like time caught up and, and a new generation discovered them or is there something more sinister at play are they is it true that they're fleetwood mac for republicans <laughs> <laughs> that is fucked up no um, wait, wow <laughs> No, I, I'm not saying I think that. This is just what I've heard on some of the blogs and stuff. I yeah. I think that a little bit of it is that at at some point, and like you know, Chris Black as like a, someone who pays attention to what is come you know pop things that are going in and out of style. Like we mined everything from the '60s and '70s that was cool at the time, and you don't want to see any of it anymore. Like you don't want to see another dude who sort of you know looks like you know he's like uh, going to CBGB in 1975, like yeah. the skinny jeans. We've done all of that. Everything that was cool, we've revived it. And so, in order to sort of continue, because like revival is like this thermodynamic law of you know how pop culture works, we have to start harvesting the things that were sort of off center and weird at the time okay like we have yeah. to go back to different you know th- that's really so that's really true of, that's really true it's smart we've run out of past to exploit oh, so so we went in 
we went into the, the, the gold mines of the 60s. We got all the gold out, and now someone's going, well, there's some good silver in there, too. We might as well go grab that. Yeah, or like yeah, even like the sand and the granite. Like, actually, this is worth money on the market. Like, on the market. And we can do that. So I feel like it's the same thing as, like, you know, like 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 dad jeans or whatever. Like, that sure. at some point, we, did, we brought back all the cool jeans from that time yeah, and yeah. everything that was, like, in the Levi's archive or whatever. And now we're moving on to, like, stuff you buy at Mervyn's and, like, that's, like, the shit. <laughs> Now. so i think there's a not to the, not to say steely dan is that but steely dan always never never had that sort of moment at the time where they were sort of cherished by the culture and so that it feels like uncharted territory and also they don't they don't look like the vision of the 70s that we had so i feel like sort of a younger generation can kind of imprint on them without all the the baggage that comes with like a guy who looks like a traditional rock guy mm. you know like band front man mm-hmm. you know like so I think we've I think we've had that, and I think there's also you know it just uh, like you, the internet gets hold of something, and you know I think the memes play a role because I think there's a lot of like people get into them ironically, and then you realize that they're fucking great, and then you can't yeah yeah that sort of they isn't work this their so magic on isn't this so funny? And you're like, damn, this shit actually like once, slaps. Yeah, though. once you get over your objection to like really really talented musicians like working at the top of their game and like realize like what a <laughs> you know, weird sort of uh, you know damn. I feel like I'm at a Grateful Dead show right now. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, that right, and the dead happened, and like that sort of the dead thing, like really sort of has like crested at this point. I feel like they got, you know, absolutely came back in that same way. And I'm trying to figure out like what you know, as somebody who thinks about the market, like what can I create this for another band after Steely Dan now? Like, where is that going next? And like, that's the that's the hard part. Mm. Like, can I make this happen for like NRBQ? Okay. Something like that. Like just really sort of, you know. yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I, well, I think the tough part is, I think there's a lot of, a lot of material, you know, but it's got to, I, I think that Steely Dan has a pretty deep catalog, you know? Um, and it's pretty like, I think dire straits might be next. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I think I've seen a lot of Dire Straits content and people loving Dire Straits, and like talking about it, and definitely like younger people. Are younger people like? I mean, but the problem with a lot of those older bands is you will like them. You you'll you, you'll either dislike them because the their songwriting and their lyrics are potentially problematic, or you also might they they will grow in popularity for like the entourage effect where like people want to see exhibits of problematic behavior because they're not able to see it nowadays. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, I mean... So, like, if, if you listen to a Dire Straits song, there's some lyrics in there that are a little iffy, right? I mean, I mean there is the uh, the F slur in uh, Money for Nothing, for sure, but I think well, that's, that's in character. Okay. That's your showing... Yeah, that's, like, voiced yeah, by the, you know, appliance yeah. delivery man. It's, yeah. you know, it's not Mark Knopfler. Mm-hmm. You, know how those, you know how those fucking appliance guys are, bro. They fucking... <laughs> those guys talk crazy. You know, you know yeah, how well, that Yeah, that song... That song has been like banned i mean i think there's a lot of young people who don't actually care about that stuff at all like i I think that like we're sold the ones that really do but i think there's a lot of people who are just like damn this band rocks i've never heard them before and they look cool you know i think that's still i think that level yeah but i'm saying the problem the problem is being there's like it's one thing to be able to look the other way when a when a song says uh you know uh, an f slur or you know, something racist or homophobic or whatever. And it's another thing to listen to it only because of that reason and to sort of celebrate it. Like everyone's too much of a pussy. This, you know, 
make fun of gay people or whatever. Right. Like that's There's like Joe Rogan fans just flooding out to dire straits. Yeah. Like, you know, like people like when I was in, you know, in high school and someone's like, check out this band screwdriver. They're like a Nazi yeah. band. Screwdriver is a good example. Or, you know, Gigi Allen or faces of death, like that same kind of thing. Like it's a shock factor, but it's, it's, you have to me make sure that you're like, wow, that's crazy. Not like, this is crazy. I, I love it. I'm going to keep going. It's my new obsession. It. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see who's next. I'm, I'm going to wait with bated breath for you to kind of exalt another artist into the zeitgeist um, because I, I can't do it. And I look to you for this. Alex. <laughs> you can yeah, do it. You Chris. Can, I, I think that's, yeah, that's not a winning attitude, man. I think you can do it. I, I believe. No, you <laughs> yeah, you're right. And this you is have why to, we have to figure out which obscure seventies artists that you're bullish on. And we could really, pump the market i'm not big on obscurity that's the problem you know i kind of like I, I like the but i guess what i guess the whole point is they're like sort of they're only sort of obscure and that's why it works yeah because they're, they're a super culty obscure band that has like seven or eight giant top 10 hits right like so everybody yeah, exactly. knows who they yeah, are exactly. yeah. but then like it's sort of i've been trying to like compare it to things and it's like if like big star was also cheap trick you know like if they sort of had like a sort of yeah. a, a second life because yeah. like they had like you know huge like hit songs that everybody knows have never left classic rock radio it's just there's this whole other side of it that people get into i i i, I can i i know dozens of steely dan songs if one of the members of the band was walking down the street past me i would have no clue who they are yeah. Yes. Yeah, same. You know what I mean? And there, yeah. there's something yeah. to be I mean, said about a, that. That's a that's a good life if you can if you can do it. You know. No, apparently, if you can, like if you can keep them. <laughs> yeah. Donald from Steely Dan has said that like only now uh, in the, this day and age does he get. He used to never get recognized on the street because nobody knew what they. They were never on the covers of their albums. Nobody really. There was no videos. Nobody knew who they actually were. They could just walk around New York and everything. And now people like know what he looks like. He's the guy from the Steely Dan memes. Fucking TikTok, man. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, that, that's really funny. I mean, and and good for him for not taking his own life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. After he, learning that information. Yeah, he, Fagan is still with us. Uh, Alex, thank you for joining us today on on How Long Gone. We had a blast, and the book is the book is out everywhere now, right? Uh, it's basically about to be. When, when does this come out? When do you think? Like approximately tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is. I don't think it's out tomorrow, but it is like seconds away from coming. Out. I think it's like a, it'll it'll be dropping. It's going to drop a little early. People are starting to see it. People are starting to get it early, which is weird. I'm seeing a lot of like just people like oh, I don't think we sent it to. You. I have it already. So it's 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 out there. It's about to be out there. Um, and what is and, and the book is titled Quantum Criminals Rambler wild gamblers and other soul survivors from the songs of steely dan what is, is quantum criminals a reference to a song of theirs it is a reference to uh when uh walter becker was making when they were making gaucho the final 70s steely dan album uh he was explaining how he got hit by a taxi cab and ended up kind of just laid up and on sort of all kinds of opiates and like didn't show up to the studio and his explanation was we were quantum criminals we were two particles trying to exist in the same place at the same time and obviously in quantum physics what little i know about this that's not possible <laughs> and so that was but he was basically okay. it was the best way to explain that's the most that's the most quantum physics i have at, at my disposal uh to explain that okay but it was like a cool line that sounded like a song title of theirs but wasn't a song title of theirs and you know yeah, totally it would have totally. been way more commercial apparently if it had for seo if it was like steely dan colon the something 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 but like you know god bless uh, ut press for not making me do that mm -hmm. those guys are so cool uh thanks guys yeah thanks thanks uh, everyone and, at ut and, shout out and you guys can follow alex uh on on twitter uh to get updates on his on his book the tour and, and all of his uh stories and uh 
we'll catch you down at Dayglow for that $12 uh, iced matcha. Absolutely. Yeah, keep the coquitos pouring. pouring. Yeah. Thanks, guys, so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. 